بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات عملنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا فأما بعد فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يوتع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما فقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم إن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار My dear respected brothers sisters elders Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu ordered us and advised us to have taqwa. Taqwa is that condition where we fear to disobey and displease the one we love the most. Taqwa is not fear of Allah. Taqwa is fear of offending the one we love the most. I say that because fear by itself is a negative emotion. You do not love the things that you fear. People who fear snakes don't love snakes. The child in, your, in the school, in, your class, in, the, in his class or her class, who fears the teacher does not love the teacher. They may obey the teacher because the teacher will punish them. But they can never love the teacher. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about us and may Allah make us among those, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبَّ لِلَّهِ not only love, Allah said the believers are those who love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than anyone and anything else. Therefore, taqwa is not fear of Allah, Jalla Jalaluhu. Taqwa is fear of offending the one I love the most. The beauty of that is, the more I love Allah, the more I fear offending Him. The more I love Allah, the more I love the more I love not displeasing him. The more I fear not displeasing him. So the more hope increases, the more taqwa will increase. And the result of this too is tawakkul al Allah. The topic of my khutbah today is choose wisely. Let me give you a couple of examples to begin. What is which choice is more important? Where to go on a vacation or which career to choose? Which is more important? Another one. Which is more important? Who to employ or who to marry? Why? A wrong vacation choice at worst. Two weeks gone down the drain, one week gone down the drain, somebody gone down the drain, you learnt a lesson, don't go there again. Halas. But wrong career choice, that's a different ballgame, right? 
who to employ well you employed the wrong person you discovered you employed the wrong person you can fire them again you learn from the experience don't employ somebody like that again but you marry the wrong person sure you can divorce them but you know the price of that now what is the difference between these two the importance of the choice depends on the consequences of it what will be the payoff or price of the choice and how long will it last that is what makes a choice one choice more important than the other i remind myself and you to choose wisely because the choice that i'm going to talk to you about is forever diamonds are not are not forever our choices are forever so choose wisely choosing well is so critical that allah subhanahu wa taala did not leave it to us to do on our own he didn't force us but he guided us and he said la ikraha fid din qad tabayyana ar-rushd min al-ghay faman yakfur bit-taghuti wa yu'min billahi faqad istamsaka bil-urwati al-wuthqa lan fisama laha wallahu sami'un alim allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the ayat of surah al-baqarah all these ayats we know alhamdulillah there is no compulsion in religion la ikraha fid din verily the right path has been shown distinctly from the wrong path the two paths are clear there is no force in anyone but whoever disbelieves in taqut whoever disbelieves in all kinds of false deities false theories false philosophies and so on and so forth and believes in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then that person has grasped the most trustworthy handhold that will never break and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearer all knower i remind myself and you that islam is an active choice that we need to make you do not become muslim because of your race or your color or nationality or tribe or name or anything else we become muslim when we choose to become muslim when we choose obedience to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over obedience to our own desires it's really as simple as that and islam teaches us that success is proportionate to obedience obedience to the orders of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that his messenger muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam showed us the best example of this is salah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us to establish salah aqimus salah rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam showed us how to do that he said sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli pray as you have seen me pray this is the fundamental <coughs> connection also between the quran and the sunnah and the way in which the sunnah supports the quran the sunnah is the field book of the quran and that is why allah subhanahu wa taala caused it to be protected and its ways to be practiced in the world generation after generation the fundamental principle in islam as i mentioned before is taqwa taqwa is a process that begins with inquiry who is allah then when we learn about allah subhanahu wa taala 
our hearts fill with his glory and magnificence, his khashiyah, and then with gratitude, his shukr. This is the meter. If you or I think that we know Allah, let us look in our hearts with respect to Allah. See what is there. Because whatever is in the heart is reflected in our actions. Those who have khashiyatullah automatically obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't make excuses. They don't try to find loopholes. They don't go fatwa shopping. They ask, what did Rasulullah do in this case? And they do the same. This condition where we obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we are in his awe and we love him more than anyone else, this is taqwa. For the one who has it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised guidance and protection and support. Taqwa is a condition of hidayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called his book, Hudalil Muttaqeen, guidance for the muttaqoon. We are coming to a month which is dedicated to making us taqwa. Kutiba alaykumusiyamu kama kutiba ala ladhina min qabilikum. Limada? La'allakum tattaqoon. So you become muttaqoon. Fasting is prescribed so that we become muttaqoon, not for any other reason. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us Ramadan and Mubarak in good health and iman and with time and tawfiq to maximize its benefits inshallah. I remind myself and you and I remind myself and you to think of all those of our brothers and sisters and relatives and friends who passed away this year. After last Ramadan, before this Ramadan, which means what? Which means that last Ramadan was their last Ramadan for their lives. Did they know that? They didn't know that. Do I know whether this Ramadan will be my last? I don't know. So treat every Ramadan as if it is your last Ramadan for your life. Because one Ramadan will be your last. That there is no doubt about. So treat every one of them as if this is the last. I'm not going to get the next one. It is a framework. Taqwa is the framework of the relationship of the believer with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is based on knowing his Rabb, feeling the awe of his majesty and grace. And so fearing his displeasure and hoping for his forgiveness and being grateful to him for his blessings and therefore loving him. This is the relationship between the head, information, law, rules, laws, fiqh, and the heart. The awe, the gratitude, and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the relationship between ilm and irfan. It is the relationship between knowing about and knowing. It is the relationship between living in the world, in this world as a person of the world, and living in this world as a person of the Akhirah. Grateful for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given in this world. Making money, power, position, authority, rule, everything. But all of that is in the hand. Not in the heart. Nothing goes into the heart. Except the khashiyat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is in the heart? The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the yearning, not just feeling, not just wanting, yearning to meet him. And to meet him in a, in a state 
where he is pleased with us. To reach this position, we must make effort because that is the rule that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set in this life. Anyone who wants anything in any field must make effort. That is the rule of this dunya. There is nothing for a human except that which he works for. You must make effort. No doubt about that. But also remember, no doubt also, that no matter how much effort you and I make, effort is required. Without it, nothing will happen. But no matter how much effort we make, the effort will take us only to the door of the palace. The door will only open when the owner opens it. It will not open by effort. It will take us to the door. Without effort, you are not even near the door. You are somewhere lost. But after all the effort, you and I will get in only if the door opens. And that door will open by the mercy of Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim of dunya And he declared that he will open the door for the one who, has sinc- who is sincere, who has ikhlas. And who seeks his pleasure. Because he said, Wasjud waqtarib. Every time I read this ayah, I am absolutely amazed. Because logically speaking, it is the worst way of, say, of asking someone to come close. Right? If you, if, I, if you want to call somebody, what will you say? Get up, come here. Come. Taal. You won't say, what's Jud? In sajda, his face is on the ground. His hands and feet are, feet are on the ground. His knees are on the ground. He is helpless. Completely and totally helpless. Right? That is why sajda is haram to anyone other than Allah Jalla Jalla. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. He gave us izzah. He made ikram for us. He said, you cannot take that and put it before another makhluk. You cannot make sujood to a creature. No matter who the creature is. We, have, we know the hadith of Muhammad They said to him, Ya Rasulullah, we see the, the, Kis, the Kisra and the Kusro Khusro, the, you know, the Byzantine Empire and the, and the Persian Empire and so on. And they have the system where when you go into the presence of the king, you make such that to the king. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, you are worthy of such sujood much more than any of those kings. You are the Rasul of Allah. So permit us to make sajda to you as a way of greeting. Rasulullah said, sajda is haram to anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I do not permit you to make sujood to me. Make sajda only to Allah. I know those of you who know the hadith are waiting for me to say the next part of it. I value my skin more than you value yours. Make sujood and come close. Wasjud waqtari. Because... When you make sajda, that is a sign of abudiyat. When you say, Ya Rabb, I am your Abd. And I am in front of you, completely and totally helpless, as a sign of my total tawakkul on you, total trust on you. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will draw the person close. Allah will draw you close, not your effort. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-hukum. Wasjud waqtarib. When the slave submits himself in sujood, his Rabb Jalla Jalaluhu draws him close. That is the beauty of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the foundation of tawakkul. 
the reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whose power the person knows and whose blessings he feels grateful for. He fears nobody except Allah and relies on nobody but Allah. This is the reason that the more he knows about Allah and the more he knows Allah, the more he loves him and the more he fears displeasing him. It's a beautiful, positive, self-sustaining relationship. The relationship between taqwa and hub, which results in tawakkul. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, كُلُّ نَفْسٍ ذَائِقَةُ الْمَوْتِ وَإِنَّمَا تُوَفَّوْنَ عُجُورَكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَانَةِ فَمَنْ زُحْدِعَنِ النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةَ فَقَدْ فَزِ وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَتَعُ الْغُرُورِ In Surah Al-Alimna, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, everyone will taste death. No exceptions. If there was an exception, it would have been Muhammad Rasulullah sallam. Everyone will taste death. And only on the day of resurrection will you be paid your wages in full. And whoever is removed away from the fire, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahumma jinnah min al-nar, and admitted into Jannah, only that person, faqat only that person is successful. The life of this world is only the enjoyment of deception. And that is why the believer does everything for one reason only, to please Allah. Because he loves him more than anything and anyone else. And this is why I submit to you and remind myself that the first and foremost responsibility that we have is to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to fill our hearts with his majesty and grace. If we do that, then everything else will become very easy. His greatness and our connection with him will become the whetstone, the criterion on which we will test every word and action of ours to see if it meets the only thing that matters. Does it please Allah? أقول قولي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم. الحمد لله الحمد لله كثيرا كما أمر ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله فما بعد فقال تعالى إن الله وملائكته يسلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا سلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد. My brothers and sisters, as I mentioned to you, the choice is: do we obey Allah or do we obey our own desires, our own nafus? I ask myself this question and how long do we want to live in this self-created struggle between our nafs and the orders of Allah. There is no struggle. The struggle we create. We create the struggle because we give our nafs this exalted position that it has the it has the position that it should be consulted 
when an order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is facing me? Who said we should consult our nafs? Who said you have to like anything? Huh? We give ourselves this position. Who are you? You are a piece of, you are a drop of seminal fluid after ejecting which both your parents had a shower. That is who you are. That is who I am. A drop of seminal fluid. What is the izza of a, sem- of a drop of seminal fluid? A drop of semen. What is the izza of that? That is your haqiqah. That is my haqiqah. A drop of semen. <clears throat> which made najis your parents and my parents. So they had to take a shower. This is our reality. If you begin with this, you can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong. Ibrahim Adem Rahmatullahi, one of the great scholars of this deen, they asked him, what was the happiest time of your life? He said, I was traveling. I was on a boat. And of course, people didn't know. He was the king of Balkh in Afghanistan. And became one of the greatest scholars. And a long story, I won't go into that. This particular thing. He said, I was, this, I was on this boat. And for some reason, there was no reason. I didn't do anything to anybody. But one man took a dislike to me. So this man, the whole trip, he started needling me. And of course, I didn't respond to that. I kept silent. So that got him more and more angry. And he started cursing me. And he started doing this and that and so on. And then that was not enough because I was not, he was not getting any response from me. So then he came, he pulled my beard, he knocked off my hat, he did all kinds of things. And he said, every time he did that, I said, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. I am not the king of bulk. I am not happy of Quran. I am not an alim. I am a drop of semen. What is this? Somebody curses a drop of semen, of course. What do you say? What do you say to something which makes you nudges? You take it and put it on your head. This is who we are. This is who we are. We, the reason I'm saying that we live in a society where children are given this completely, you know, distorted image of themselves in the name of building self-esteem. I'm a psychologist. I have a Doctorate in Applied Behavioral Science. So I'm speaking from my professional hat. Completely false image of self-esteem. I'm not saying abuse your children. I'm saying give them an understanding of who they are. You say, anything they do, oh, wow. <clears throat> Ahmad, you are the greatest. Inna lillahi wa Ahmad is eight years old. Ahmad is like 12 inches tall. He's the greatest already. Now what happens to him? Where is he going to go? <laughs> He's on top of Mount Everest already. Now what will happen to him? Please, let us get some balance into our lives. Ahmad, you are not the greatest. You are a little kid who did something good, very good for you. You got the whole life ahead of you. There's much more you need to do. You're not the greatest. Sorry. There are manners, there is akhlaq. In the society, religious discourses, durus of deen. The sheikh is sitting there, he has the Quran in his hand, he is giving dars of Quran, and you have people who go and pump iron in the gym. In the gym, the guy can lift 100 and 
50 kilograms, he can lift 200 kilograms. But he cannot sit with adab in that jalsa. Both his legs are pointed in the face of the sheikh. And in the face of the Quran. And because the sheikh is sitting where he is sitting, he is pointing his legs towards the qibla. And if you ask him, he will say, no, 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 excuse me, sir. Where is it? Where does it say in the Quran that I must not point my feet towards the qibla? He wants fatwa. Because you never taught him adab. Who is going to do this? Who is going to teach this adab? You have grown people. So-called children. According to me, any, anyone who is, you know, over 16, 17, 18 is not a child. But, 20s. Halqa of Quran is going on. Halqa of Hadith is going on. They will sit. Leaning on the wall, on the side of the room. Looking at their phones. Showing, I don't know what's on the phone. Showing that to each other. Giggling and laughing like little girls. Why? Because you don't want to speak the truth. You do not want to speak the truth to your own children. You do not want to raise them as muttaqoon. You do not teach them adab. And then guess what? It comes back to bite. It comes back to bite and you get it in the neck when you, when you get old. Because the child, you did not teach the child to respect Allah. You did not teach that child to respect the Quran. You did not teach that child to respect the shaykh, the religious college, not the individual. You think he's going to respect you? Think about where, the, where does respect for parents, what is the root of that? Where does it come from? From the Muslim? From the kitab of Allah. You didn't bother about that. So I will respect you. For what? Choices. Choices. We need to make choices. I want to end with the choices that the Sahaba made. In Imam al-Wahidi's book, Tafsir Azbab al-Nuzul, he mentions reports based on the reports of Huayra and Abdullah ibn Abbas and others. What happened when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed? Lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi al-lard wa in tubudu ma fi anfusikum aw tukhfuhu yuhasibukum bihillah fayaghfiru liman yashau wa yu'adhibu man yashau wallahu ala kulli shayin qadeer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs whatever is in the heavens and the earth. Reflect on this. How many times have we read this ayah? How many times have we read the translation of this? And when you said to everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to Allah, did you jump with joy? Did you say, Subhanallah, Ya Rab, I am yours and you said it. I didn't make the claim. You said. No. Isn't, isn't Allah saying you belong to me? Yes or no? You got enough of the Arab guys here who are, half of them don't know Arabic. I mean, seriously. Lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi aina antum fi samawati wa Allah is saying, you are mine. You belong to me. What are you afraid of? 
If I belong to Allah, Alhamdulillah, khalas, I am not afraid of anything. All I need to do is stay there. Stay in a state where you continue to belong to Allah. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not say, you know what? Get out. Go. No, we don't want that. I belong to you. So what happens now? When there is an order of Allah, Allah said, do business in this way. Buy this, sell that, don't buy this, don't sell that, don't buy, don't borrow on interest and so on. What must I do? I want to remain. Ya Allah, I'm yours. So what must I do? Whatever you say, I will do. Khalas. Then shaitan will come and, you know, this is America. This is America. Unless you sell haram stuff, unless you have lotteries, unless you sell this and that, you cannot survive. How will you feed yourself? How will you feed your family? What happened to Allah? What happened to Allah? Anta razik wa Allah razik. Man wa razak dhul quwwatil batin? Anta wa rabbuk. My brothers and sisters, life is very simple. Very, very simple. Just get stand in front of the mirror, stand in front of the mirror and look at the mirror and say, Are you Allah or am I Allah? Are you the Razak? Am I the Razak? Clear yourself. Khalas. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, huwa Razak, hudul khuwatil matin, nobody else. I stay with it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, Lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi lord. Whatever is in the heavens and earth belongs to Allah. وَإِن تُبْدُوا مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَوْ تُخْفُوهُ يُحَاسِبُكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ Allah said, whatever you disclose or whatever you keep inside, Allah will take account. فَيَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَظِّمُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive who he wants and Allah will punish who he wants and he is capable of doing anything. And I quote from... Imam Wahid's book, he said, the commentators of the Quran, they said when the ayah, this ayah was revealed, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, see the names, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, Umar ibn al-Khattab, Abdul Hamar ibn Auf, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, and a group of the Ansar, radiallahu anhu majma'in, they all went to Rasulullah When they went there, what did they do? They fell down on their knees before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They did not even stand. They went down on their knees. They didn't make such that. On their knees. They knelt before him and they said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa By Allah, no other ayah of the Quran is harder on us than this one. Because one of us we speak to ourselves, we have some thoughts, we have some desire and so on and so forth. With things that we don't like, we don't want to have that thought but the thought comes. We don't want to have that desire but the desire comes. And they said to get rid of that, we will be happy to give a mountain of gold. But it is there inside. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he will take us to task. Even for what we think and even for what we feel. And we are doomed. Rasulullah said, this is how it was revealed. This is how it was revealed. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we are ruined. Because Allah has bound us. We are bound by something we cannot bear. Rasulullah got angry. His face became red with anger. 
He said, are you going to be like the Bani Israel who said, Sama'na wa We hear but we will not obey. He said, Qul, Sama'na wa he said, say, O our Rabb, we hear and we obey. Forgive us and to you is our return. Think about this. This, this. this question of the Sahaba, does it appear to be reasonable or not reasonable? What do you think? Allah is going to hold me responsible for my thought. My What do you think? So they came there with something they thought reasonable. If it wasn't reasonable, they wouldn't have come there. Rasulullah rejected their claim. What was their response? Did they say, no, no, Ya Rasulullah, you know what? You haven't understood what we were saying. I'm going to explain it differently. Maybe I didn't put it the right way. No. He said, Kol, masir. What happened? They said, Samayana now, what do you think happened? Do you think the heavens opened and something happened? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. They had to go away. Sayyid Aisha Siddiqui says, one year later, 12 months later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the ayat after that. How severe this test must have been. And think about this. The concern of the sahaba was not to say, I want to indulge my desires and now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is you know, spoiling my fun. No. They say we do not want to disobey Allah. We do not want to disobey Allah. But despite that, because I am human, I will get some thought, I will get some desire. And if Allah is going to punish me, then I am doomed. Right? They are not saying they want to do that. They are saying even the thought. And for 12 months, nothing happened. 12 months, we know the number today. That When they were going through that, did they know it was going to be 12 months? Did they know that anything was going to change? No. How many people, how many of the Sahaba passed away in that 12 month period? When we tell these stories, you must think about all of this stuff. How severe was that test for people who are muttaqoon? Not just muttaqoon, for people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed us as our examples, the gold standard. And then after 12 months, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the, 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 the reward of obedience. رَبَّنَا لَا تُوَاخِذْنَا إِنْ نَسِيْنَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا رَبَّنَا وَلَا تُحْمِلْ عَلَيْنَا إِسْرًا كَمَا حَمَلْتَهُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِنَا رَبَّنَا وَلَا تُحَمِّلْنَا مَا لَا طَاقَةَ لَنَا بِهِ وَاعْفُ عَنَّا وَاغْفِرْ لَنَا وَارْحَمْنَا أَنْتَ مَوْلَانَا فَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ I will not 
I will not uh, the translate these because you know you know all these ayat and you know where they are. You can find them, translate them. Just I want to end with just one line, and that is that when the person is obedient to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala opens the doors of His mercy. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala abrogated the earlier ayah. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala confirmed the iman. And the position of the of the of his Nabi Ali Salam and the Sahaba, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala taught them how to make dua. He taught them what dua to make, and he taught them how to make dua. What is better than being taught how to make dua by the one to whom the dua is being made and the one who will accept this dua? There is nothing better than that. This is the reward of obedience to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala Jalla Jalla to make us obedient to Him. I ask Allah to fill our lives with the grace and mercy and blessing of His obedience, of being obedient to Him. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to help you in ways that you cannot imagine. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to protect you from all the evil that you know and don't know. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to take care of you from sources you cannot imagine. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to make all of us completely and totally obedient to Him in the way that pleases Him, to keep us in that state and to take us in that state. ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر لنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا زادنا أنفسنا ولم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار آمين يا رب العالمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يعمر بالعدل والحساب وإيتاء القربى وينحى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيزكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عدو يستجيب لكم ولو ذكر الله يكبر والله يعلم ما تسنون أقيم السلام